Well, family, we have finally come to the end of our Lenten journey to the Easter celebration, and there is a history of a different sort of greeting and hello and good morning uh, when it comes to the Easter season that has played out through the history of Christ's church, and that is to greet each other with the words, Christ is risen, and the response, He is risen indeed, Alleluia. Uh, what a joy it is that we can be gathered together in that promise that even though we are unable maybe this time to physically gather together in this celebration, uh, we still have a Lord who is risen from the dead and has given us uh, new life through his life-giving spirit, and uh, we get to rejoice in that today. Let us pray. Almighty God, through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, you overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Save us from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit, that we may live before you in righteousness and purity forever. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The resurrection reality is certainly an occasion for great rejoicing, and so I invite you to join in singing of the wonderful resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
During this first week of Easter, we will conclude our time of walking through the Gospel of Mark with Mark's account of the Easter resurrection from Mark chapter 16. We're going to take a look at that not only today, Tuesday, but also on Thursday and Friday in different ways, in various ways. Today, as we take a look and examine uh, this Easter account, we have Professor Mark Brighton. From Mark chapter 16. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So far, the text. Brothers and sisters, though we are separated from each other at this time, we can still unite our voices before God and speak together the proclamation of Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Greetings from my living room to you at home, where you also are living with your family in isolation. While we would all say that families are a blessing, living alone with them 24-7 can make us a little crazy. How does one work at home when people keep interrupting? 
How do you students feel now that you are back at home with mom and dad? Are you isolating yourselves in the basement? Who is responsible now for doing all those dishes? Who ate all my food? Wait, why isn't there any food to eat? Yes, sheltering in place is a challenge for the entire family. As one mother put it, it's like a horrific extended Thanksgiving. But I don't want to be too glib. This pandemic serves as a reminder of how life is broken. Like all other tragedies, traumas, and accidents, it causes us to rethink our expectations, to clarify them, to adjust them to reality, to look for a place of real hope. With this in mind, we come to the end of Mark, an end that has surprised people for millennia. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome are told by an angel that Jesus has risen, and in response, they run away and don't tell anyone. Not exactly an ending to inspire a course of alleluias. Therefore, through the centuries, later Christians have provided for us what they thought were more suitable endings, which you can read. While some experts think that Mark, in fact, did not end his gospel this way, but that the original ending got lost somehow, the majority think otherwise. By ending his gospel with these verses, Mark would have us clarify our expectations and adjust our hopes where they belong, on the resurrection of Jesus and life in the new creation. Let me explain. We have seen in our journey through Mark that Jesus would sometimes tell someone to keep quiet about their experiences of his healing and glory. Jesus commanded a leper not to report what he had done. He ordered demons not to speak his identity. He ordered Jairus' family not to report that he brought Jairus' daughter back to life. He commanded a deaf and mute person not to tell others about his healing. Why? so as not to reinforce inappropriate expectations. You see, many Judeans were looking for Jesus to ease suffering, to provide food, to heal diseases, and cast out enemies. In fact, these are parts of Jesus' mission, but these cannot be had apart from the cross. These conflicting expectations come into focus in the middle of the gospel, where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah and then rebukes Jesus for talking about his crucifixion. Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but he didn't have a clue what that meant. He and all the other Judeans wanted a prosperity Messiah, preaching a prosperity gospel. In this context, Jesus said, What does it profit a person to gain the whole world at the expense of his soul? The message is clear. There can be no lasting healing and freedom from suffering without dying to self. There is no glory except through the gruesome death of Jesus on the cross. Whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. All Jesus commands for people to keep quiet should be understood as commands not to go out and proclaim a prosperity gospel. 
we now come to the end of the Gospel of Mark. And finally, some of his followers do what he so often commanded. They don't tell anyone. But why does Mark end this way? We know from Matthew that Jesus, in fact, gave his disciples the command to make disciples of all nations. Why is there no emphasis in Mark? Well, knowing the identity of Mark's readers perhaps gives us a clue. You see, Matthew wrote his gospel for Christians at Antioch. This was a center of the first church growth movement. It was at Antioch where the disciples of Jesus were numerous enough to acquire the label Christians from the general populace. These disciples constituted the missionary home base for Paul. They had a positive view about the advance of the gospel. The final words of Matthew for these people are the words of the Great Commission. Not so the Christians at Rome, where Mark wrote. Their experience was far different. In the late 60s, there was a fire at Rome, and when the populace began to blame Nero, he cast the blame on Christians as scapegoats. Tacitus, a Roman historian, tells us that a brief but severe persecution commenced. Some Christians were rounded up to be torn apart by wild animals in the arena. Others were tied to poles and set on fire, and still others were crucified. Nero was so brutal that Romans began to feel sorry for the Christians. Church fathers tell us that Peter and Paul were martyred at this time. No, Mark's gospel does not have a church growth passage for an ending. By ending his gospel as he does, Mark is reminding his readers of what to expect from the Messiah. Do not give people the wrong expectations of this Messiah. Jesus has risen, but you will not see him here. There is no lasting comfort or peace in a fallen world. You will only find it in the new creation. But take heart. Jesus has risen and gone ahead of you. You will see him there, just as he promised. What then shall you and I take to heart from all this? How do we apply this message from Mark about the resurrection of Jesus? Well, I don't think I need to remind you that we are now experiencing a crisis, which also reminds us to reconsider our expectations. We live in a broken world. Though we would all like to think that diseases are the exception, this side of the new creation, they are the norm. Though we would all fight for justice in our own way, at work, in the classroom, at home, evil, this side of the new creation, too often goes unrestrained. The proclamation of Easter from Mark is not a prosperity gospel. Only believe and you will not suffer. As attractive as this message may be, it does not have the power to sustain. One hurricane, one cancer diagnosis, one virus can turn this false gospel on its head and expose it for what it is, a shallow and short-sighted distortion of the power of the Messiah. Here are the words of Peter through Mark for us all, who face an uncertain future in a world subject to pandemics and isolation, to worries and fears, to, to crippled hopes and broken dreams. 
Jesus of Nazareth came back to life after his crucifixion and thereby clearly demonstrated that he has power over death. But we will not see him here. He has told us that in this life we will suffer, but do not despair. He has gone ahead of us to the new creation. He bids us then to keep our chins up because he has conquered all suffering and evil. They do not have the last word. He does. When it is time for you to die next week or in the coming years or even decades, the Son of Man will be with you to bring you to himself. You will not die alone. Life with him in the new creation is your destiny. Here's how Peter put it in his first letter, written from Rome, where he would die. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here is the promise of the Savior. Resurrected life, not in a fallen world, but in a new creation. No one can take it away. Peter calls us to place our hopes there, because then our hopes have life and power to give us strength to endure. May God, the Holy Spirit, Fill us this Easter with that hope. May it give us peace in an uncertain world of isolation. May it give us strength to carry our burdens each day. May it liberate us to freely give of ourselves to others in need. May it permeate our times of grief so that we do not ever despair. Lord Jesus, you have conquered death. You are the Lord of life. Today we confess the promise you spoke to us. No one can take us from your hand. Lead us now to speak words of hope to those around us this day and for as long as we dwell in this wilderness until you call us home. Brothers and sisters, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.
Dear friends in Christ, what a joy it has been to be together in God's word and in the promise that is ours in the Easter victory of Jesus and his resurrection. I pray that it goes with you as you go about the rest of your day and your week, 
And so as we go and depart each other, do so with this blessing shaped by the promises that are found in the Word of God. Christ has destroyed death. Alleluia. He has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Alleluia. The grace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Alleluia and Amen.